Well, family camp, they, they call this family camp. And while you don't get away from your family, uh, God still does a really, I mean, it's just a crazy work. I mean, it was just, it's really cool. It's hard to explain. Um, there's about 800 or so there this year and, um, and, and from various churches. And it was just a really, really profitable time. My kids uh, just loved it. And, and obviously, I think part of that played in, you know, I'm still kind of on a little bit of a, a little bit of a spiritual high, I guess you'd call it, from, from Tuesday night. Uh, you know, Claire, uh, those of you that wasn't here Wednesday, we baptized Hutt and Claire and Nene and um, Lennon. And uh, so, those of you that don't know who Nene is, uh, Lennon. And um, so, anyway, uh, I get home Tuesday night after ball practice, and I had a meeting that's like went to 10 or so, and I walk in about 10, 20, 10, 25, and Claire meets me before I can even get in the door. And um, she's like, hey, I need to talk to you. And those of you who know Claire, she's extremely, like, when she's got something to say, it's, I got it to say, and I don't care how you're going to take it kind of deal. And uh, she's like, I got something we need to talk about. <laughs> I, I thought, what, well, what have I done? And... Um, she said, uh, she said, I, I need to get saved. And it wasn't, I think, it was, I mean, it was so blunt and so matter of fact and so, hey, I need to get saved. I said, are you sure? Yep. <laughs> I said, you, do you want to talk about it? Nope. <laughs> I said, well, you know. Yep, I know how to get saved too. I just felt like you ought to be here. I was like, well, do you, can we go back over a few Bible verses just to make sure we've covered all our bounds, all of our, all, all of our, our places? At least I'll feel better about it, you know. Um, it, at least I'll, I won't feel like a liberal if I just say, hey, let's, you know, whatever. Uh, like she hadn't been knowing it for, you know, all her life. Anyway, we went over a few things, and she's like, right, yeah, I know. And she called on the Lord, and it was sweet. Um, you know, it was crazy because... Um, you know, kid, kid raised in church most of her life, and she didn't have, she thought like these major dynamite explosions was going to go off, and she was going to see streaks of light, and like she was immediately, everything was just going to be complete, like it was, you know, kind of like it was for me, and I'm like, look, that ain't, that ain't, like, it's hard for that to happen, like you're, you're believing, you're trusting the Lord, and she's like, Oh, well, I did what the Bible said. And I was like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. And she's, she's like, um, well, I wondered why I felt better, but at the same time, I didn't have everything that I thought I would have. And I said, well, so do you, what, do you have peace? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's all better. And I said, well, um, you know, I took her five, first John 5.13, and I'm like, uh, this is what it says. And she's like, okay, all right, I'm done. And she, she walks off back into the house. Like, she just gets up and goes back into the house. She walks in and stone faces it. Hey, Mom, I want to let you know I just got saved outside. <laughs> Jordan, you know, she's like, uh, what? What? So, I don't know. Um, you know, she said I was preaching Sunday morning on being indecisive. And she's, uh, I preached Sunday morning in, in, in Kansas City, Missouri, Midtown. And um, and the Lord used some of that and convicted her, and I'm sure through a process of 
uh, all church retreat. God just used it big time. And, and so for those of you who don't know, I mean, uh, Claire, Claire called on the Lord, got saved uh, Tuesday night, baptized her on Wednesday night. So um, I'm still kind of riding some of that. But what I wanted you to hear, I wanted you to hear a few, a few testimonies from people that I wish they were here this morning because they're more than willing. Sarah Jo especially is on cloud nine to tell you uh, just about her whole experience there. So um, pray for them. Uh, this morning, they got a little Bible study they're doing uh, with their team here in a little bit, and uh, they're playing ball this morning, And uh, but they got a Bible study they're going to do uh, here in a little bit. They both chose different things to talk about. I'm not, I'm not so certain I would have done that, but uh, this is their, <laughs> this is their deal, so I, I'm, I'm letting them do whatever they want to do at this point, but, uh, but, but, you know, pray for them if you get to think about it, but I'm going to let you listen uh, to some of the things that, that we've seen, some of the things we heard. And uh, maybe uh, next week, week after all, I'll, we'll we'll deal with we'll deal with a couple more of them. All right, good boy. You want to start us off? You want to go last? Okay, you go first. You know the one. try to keep myself together while I do this. Um, so I'm going to be completely just point blank honest with everybody. I went into this, go into the all church retreat, um, kind of just like a vacation from here. Wasn't really um, seeking big things to happen for me spiritually. Um, I just thought Man, my friends are going. It's going to be so much fun. Brother Leaf talks about how much fun it is. Um, it's going to be nice to not have to be a part of the runnings and be behind the scene and just get to enjoy something. And so I made it happen and we went. I had no intentions of anything actually cultivating in my heart. And boy, did the Lord prove me wrong. I'm going to try to get through this. <coughs> so... Brother Lee <coughs> preached on um, the slip there, like he had been here. Um, and, <coughs> you know, when it was here, it was good. Don't get me wrong. I loved it here. But most of the time when I'm taking notes, I'm so focused on trying to get everything of the big points to me that I loved in the message written down that there's little things that you miss, right? And so <coughs> when he started to preach it, I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I can just sit and listen. I pulled up my notes from, you know, past services, and I was like, if he says anything new, I'll jot it down real quick, and I'm just going to sit here and take it in. And so that's exactly what I did. But the biggest part of the slip message that stuck out to me this time that didn't even hit me in the slightest, the first time he did it here, <coughs> was on the elder brother. And he said the elder brother couldn't understand why his father was so excited. Sorry. Because when he came home, or when he came home, because he was there the whole time, and he couldn't understand why his father was so excited about the ones coming or the one coming back when he had been there for him and he'd been doing his work and he had been doing what he was supposed to do. He wasn't getting celebrated like that. And I've talked to Jordan a little bit about this in discipleship because she is my discipler, and I've been telling her, "Man, I'm just so spiritually exhausted." 
somewhere. I said, don't get me wrong. I love doing Awana. I love doing children's ministry. I love being on the worship team. I love being able to just serve and do what needs to be done at the church. And because I have a servant's heart, that's what my heart is. I, I have a servant's heart. I just want to get whatever needs to be done, done. And I told her, I said, and nobody could ever take those things away from me unless Brother Lee just looked at me in the face and said, you're done. That's the only way I would ever give up all those things. But I'm just so spiritually tired. I said, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm doing all these things. But then at the same time, I'm having to fulfill a role that I was never meant to fulfill. I'm having to be the spiritual leader for my house. And in God's plan, that was never the role for the woman. I'm not supposed to be the head. But I'm having to be. And sometimes it just piles all up and it's spiritually exhausting. And so when he hit, when he said that, um, I was like, man, I really relate to that older brother. Because I feel like I'm doing everything I need to do. I'm doing what is expected of me as a Christian, I feel like. And here I am with the deepest desire of my heart is to just have a husband to lead me in my family. That's the deepest desire of my heart, and I'm doing everything I can, and there's no prospects in sight. And so, like, you know, sometimes it's like, Lord, what am I doing wrong? How can I fix this so you'll give me this thing that I so desperately want and need, that my children need, that my boys so desperately need. But that's when the Lord was like, you're missing the bigger picture. And so, um, so I look at it all and I think, you know, what am I doing for the Lord? And I think, you know, where, why can't this desire of my heart be given to me? Well, it's funny how the Lord will work and will take two men's messages that probably didn't even really talk to each other about them that much. I mean, him and Code Blaze, if you don't know, they're thick as thieves. You know, they are really best friends. They have an awesome relationship that I got to see fully over our church retreat and a friendship within the Lord that when I look at that, I see in my two best friends. And I'm like, man, the Lord is great to give you those friendships for you to lean on. But Code Blaze started his messages, and one of his things were, what are you seeking? And so he read out of John 138, and I'm going to read in 37 just so it gives you a little bit more context. But it says, and the two disciples heard him, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? They needed to know where they could find Jesus so they can find him, find him and seek him out and know where he, they could get that communication with the Lord. So for them, back in that time, it was physical. They needed to physically seek out Jesus, the man. But for us, we have the word of God. So am I seeking him out in his word and following his teachings? Shamefully, I can say no, I'm not. Outside of, you know, studying for Awana, because I do study and seek out the word for Awana, because I take the responsibility of children's, you know, 
salvation and their lives and their walk with the Lord. I take it very seriously. So, yes, I seek him out in the teachings of the word for them. But am I ever just sitting down and seeking him out for just myself? For just my fellowship with the Lord? And should that be saying no? There's too many things to do in the day. I have to study for a one. I have to study for children's church. I have I was working two jobs. I have boys that play baseball, and I'm the only one that gets them there most of the time. And I have all these things in life. And at the end of the day, they're just excuses. They're just excuses that the devil uses against me to think that I'm not capable enough to have an intimate relationship with the Lord like I'm supposed to. And so then he goes on and he starts talking about, well, what is God seeking? And he says, he reads in um, John 4, verses 23 and 24, and he says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so he then starts to go on and give this awesome illustration that I'm sure others will probably bring up. But he said, you know, when me and my wife first started dating, it was like, and even all throughout marriage, every single special event that they had, birthday, anniversary, or even just because he would buy her these orchids, right? And he said, and I would buy these orchids, every single special education, and it was for nobody else's benefit but for my own. He said, I wanted her to be able to have an object to look at that reminded her of me if, Lord forbid, I went before her. So when she would see these orchids, she would see me in them, and she would remember me. And then he goes to joke and said, and maybe not get married again. You know, and that broke a little bit of the solemnness that was in the audience. And he said, and you know, every time she would be like, oh, yeah, great and wonderful, but maybe, maybe get me something different next time. And, you know, the years go on and the occasions go on. And she at one point was like, had a prayer. She admitted to him. She was like, I literally prayed to the Lord that if you gave me another orchid, that I was going to lose it. I don't like orchids. They die easy. I can't take care of them. Stop giving me orchids. Right? And so he goes on and he's like, man, to apply that to our walk, he's like, we're doing all these things and they're great things. Working in children's ministry is great. I love it. It's the ministry of my heart. But I'm saying, here I'm doing this for you. Here I'm doing this for you. Here I'm doing this for you. And the Lord loves it. But at the end of the day, all he wants is a relationship with me. So he's looking for those who are worshiping him. And he goes on to you know, give a definition of worship. And he said, worship is an attitude of adoration demonstrated by an appropriate action. Your attitude is a feeling or a way of thinking. Adoration is reverence, respect, or love for a certain person, place, or thing. And this one, when he said this, it hit me like a ton of bricks because if a lot of y'all, a lot of y'all know, but if those that don't, I came from somewhere where I was deeply and I mean deeply rooted in legalism. And he said, if you do the appropriate action of worship for God without the attitude of adoration, that is not worship. That is legalism. 
And man, how many years did I waste for the Lord because I was ultimately doing all these things that were good in the sight of man. And I'm being told that it's worship, but in reality, it's not. It's just legalism. And he goes on to say, and if you have the attitude of adoration of a worshiper of God and you do and you do not do the appropriate action, that's not worship either. That's just disobedience. So you can love him and you can give him all that adoration. But if you're not doing anything with it, what he's telling you to do with it, then you're just being disobedient. And so, man, the whole thing, if I had to like sum it up into one word, it's just worship for me. It has opened my eyes and, like that song said, brought me back to the beginning, back to that place where, like, I hungered for that relationship with him. And so I'm still going to do children's church. I'm still going to do Awana. I'm still going to be on the worship team. Those are great honors. But I'm also going to do something for me, and that's okay. I'm going to have an intimate relationship with the Lord so that my worship will then flow into those other things like they're supposed to and give him honor and glory where it's due. And that's in my personal worship. But even on stage when I'm up here, there are many times where I want to raise my hand and I want to outwardly worship him. But I'm so worried about what all of y'all are going to think about me. I'm so worried about looking at your faces to get your reaction about what's happening up here. I'm so worried about if we're leading you to your worship, and I've got to stop that. I've got to start just putting in my mind, I am going to worship no matter what, and I don't care if man likes it or not, because the one who really counts, he will get the adoration of it. And so this trip just was just so eye-opening, and I told Candace, I said, I wish that there was a way that we could just bottle up just this spirit of worship that was in that place and release it into our congregation just so they could get a taste of it. But unfortunately, we can't do that. So the only thing that I know to do is for it to start with me, and hopefully it'll overflow to all of you. Yeah, Ashley. So, before Ashley uh, sings, let me say um, I've been doing this whole hurried life thing on on Wednesday night, and if you hadn't got in on that, you're you're behind uh, because that is everything that we've been talking about: slowing down. None of this matters if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If it's not an intimate relation, none of it matters. None of the preaching, none of the, none of the coming to church, and none of that matters. That's all really needless if there's no intimate relationship with the Lord. It's just religion, and so, uh, so we praise the Lord, man. I'm I'm really grateful. So. Uh, Miss Ashley, she she don't normally talk, but I feel like she's fixing to. So, yeah, there we go. Praise the Lord, y'all.
Um, so I hope I don't repeat everything that everyone else is going to say because we ran each other a lot. And so I feel like we're all going to get up here and say the same thing five times, but that's okay. Um, so like Dylan said, myself, Daniel, um, my sister, we all grew up with like a super legalistic background when it came to religion and like the church we came from was kind of insane about it. Um, and one thing that like I struggle with and I think Dylan used to struggle with that she's getting over and then I'm sure my sister did too. It's kind of like judging people, even though we don't mean it now anymore. Um, and like, so we would look at other churches and we compare ourselves to them and we're like, well, you know, that's not how you're supposed to do it. But um, a funny thing about being in Kansas City is they don't do anything like the church we came from and they kind of do everything exactly how they said not to. Um, so that's really fun. Um, but now, like, in the back of my mind being there, I kept looking and I kept thinking, like, oh, man, what if, like, 10 years ago we, like, saw where we were now? And, like, what would we say? Like, what would old Candace and old Ashley say about this? Um, and it's so funny because everything was, like, so focused on, like, physical appearance and dress and how you would look on the outside towards other people. Like, they would always be, like, well, you can, like, judge people based off their fruits. But I'm in, like, a blue jean skirt not like spiritual fruits. Um, and so it's funny because some people in Kansas City, they have tattoos. Um, there's a bunch of guys with nose rings, um, which was shocking. <laughs> um, and that's definitely way off from what we grew up with. Um, but their hearts are definitely, uh, their hearts are definitely there. Um, I'll I don't know their hearts specifically, and I can't exactly speak for everyone I grew up with because there is good people um, amongst them. But um, I feel as I felt the love of Christ um, through the people of Kansas City more the time we were there than I did the whole entire time we were growing up in church. <laughs> and it felt like the people at the church with me were just so happy to serve the Lord. <laughs> and they were so happy to have us here with them. And it's kind of insane how welcoming they were. Like you couldn't be alone with two, like by yourself for two minutes without someone coming up to you and speaking to you. And they would come back up to you and always remember you and talk to you again. And it wasn't like fake Southern hospitality. I had one lady talk to me while I was washing my hands in the bathroom. And that was so weird to me, but it was so nice that she took that 20 seconds and used it to minister to me. Because for all she knew, I could have been lost or I just could have needed someone to talk to. Um, and if you're more introverted like I am, then it's really uncomfortable and intimidating when people do that. Um, but on the drive back to Georgia, we were listening to a podcast um, from two to three years ago from the college age program. And uh, Brandon Briscoe was talking and it was actually during their um, like testimonies about mission focus. And he was talking about the discomfort they had been experiencing due to cons um, some construction they were having in the building. But he said that the discomfort didn't matter because as Christians, we shouldn't even be comfortable because this isn't our permanent home anyways. And that's not what we're setting up for. It doesn't matter if we're comfortable here. And God really spoke to me through that because at the end of the day, my discomfort towards these social interactions won't matter. And 60 years from now, I won't look back and think about this weird conversation that I had when I was 23, but I may look back and regret not doing things for God. Um, Brother Lee preached that Sunday in First Kings, and it was the story of Elijah and the altars they had built to Baal and to God. And Elijah came forth, and he told the people that they had to make their choice between God and their false God. 
and I feel like a lot of times my indecisiveness is towards things like that. But instead of building an altar to Baal, I build an altar to myself in my social discomfort. <laughs> um, and I'm using my social anxiety as an excuse to not serve God. <laughs> um, one evening when we were walking back from the service, we passed one of the girls who sang that night. And my sister and Dylan were talking to her because they talk to everybody. <laughs> and <laughs> they were telling her, like, wow, you did such a great job. The girl was like, wow, thank you, but I really didn't want to be up there. I really had to be convinced to do it, but she was thankful that the Lord helped her do it, and I could honestly say that that was probably actually like my favorite song of the whole trip, so <laughs> she did a great job, um, but she did need some convincing to get up there, and I feel like it's easy to look at churches like that and just be like, well, they're just good at music, you know? That's just how they are. They have a lot more people than we do. They're just more talented. But they all started somewhere, and they all go through the same things that we do, the same temptations and trials. And the difference is they're using God and allowing God to use them in the way that he sees fit, despite their hesitations. During Code's message um, about worship that Dylan had mentioned, he spoke about how worship is more than just a song or more than just going to church or the things that we do. But worshiping God is a matter of the spirit followed by the appropriate action. And a lot of times it's really easy to get up and say that you're going to do something for God. But if your heart isn't right and your spirit isn't in line with the things of the Lord, then it just really doesn't matter. Um, in John 4, 24, it says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that means that your spirit and your heart truly must adore the Lord and seek his will. And then you take that and you do what God wants you to do. You don't give him orchids. Um, because actions without spirit is just words, and they don't matter. And my sister and I were talking about how growing up, sometimes, like, we would do a family altar, but it felt, like, really cheesy and cringy because we weren't doing it for the right reasons. And that's, like, no offense to my mom or anything, um, but, like, we would literally do it before she got saved, so, you know, she wasn't leading it in the right spirit because she didn't have a spirit. Or, well, she had one, but it wasn't in the right place. <laughs> um, and so we were talking about how cringy that felt because it was forced. And um, we didn't really know back then, but, like, now we can look back and say, well, it felt awful because it wasn't for the right reasons. And um, even it's something we did, like, behind closed doors, because I feel like a lot of people will do things, and they're like, well, I didn't do it in front of people, so I had to be doing it in good spirit because nobody saw me. But you can do things, like, just with yourself, just for the sake of doing them. Um, uh, and I feel like that false worship is probably why people get burned out so easily doing things. I know Dylan was talking about how she gets so spiritually exhausted. Um, and it's really easy to get, like, physically exhausted. When she said that, I kind of started thinking about, like, how when you're putting together, like, furniture and you don't follow the instructions. Um, like, you might get there eventually, but it's really frustrating and it takes a lot out of you. Um, so if you're not approaching it correctly, then you're not doing it right. Because um, it's really easy to turn your relationship with God into just a checklist of things you do, like going to church and reading your Bible and telling people to have a blessed day in the drive-thru. Um, but without having that adoration for the Lord, all of those things melt to nothing. Um, in Brother Toy's message, he said, um, worship is the point of life. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
and it feels really easy to attempt to worship when it feels like it's worth it to us and that we will gain from it. But it's a lot harder to do it when things aren't going that easy in life. But what I gain from the retreat is um, if you have that real love for the Lord and you're seeking him correctly, then things will be easier. It will be a whole lot easier to worship him because at the end of the day, God is always going to be worthy of the praise that he deserves. The issue is not whether we're able to submit ourselves unto him and give him the praise he deserves. Amen. All right. Dang. Glad we got to hear these. Um, I am, uh, you know, Miss Ashley's so quiet. You don't ever know what the Lord's doing in her in her life most of the time, but we're going to start making you talk. You realize that, right? <laughs> like the, the awkwardness that I usually feel trying to make you talk. I'm going to do my best to get over that too, okay? So so just know that from now on. When it gets really weird between me and you, it's me trying to, okay? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, just talk to me, you know, at this point. So, all right, you think you can do this? All right, go for it. Try it. I'm going to say everything that they've already said, basically. But um, it was super refreshing to get to go up to Kansas City um, this past week. And it's been something that, you know, we've just been really, like, basking in since we got back. It's just been fantastic. Um, when we first got there, the Lord started working on me um, right out of the gate about some stuff that I didn't even realize that I needed to be worked on. Um, and it started with Code Blaze's message, his first one on um, worship and the adoration and being demonstrated by an appropriate action. And, you know, John 4, 23 through 24, it says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship must worship him in truth, in spirit and in truth. Um, and so this whole week, that has been, like, what I stuck with. Um, I've actually been a little obsessed with it. Um, when we were just talking last night about um, the testimonies and stuff, because, like, this is pretty, like, anxiety-filled most of the time to get up here and talk. Um, so we were just talking about everything. And I was like, you know, this is what, you know, the Lord's talking to me about, blah, blah, blah. And Ashley said, you're not even going to talk about Code Blaze's message. You haven't shut up about it all week. And I was like, no, I said that first. And she said, oh, I didn't hear that. And so um, the Lord really just showed me that um, I was doing a lot of things, but I wasn't doing them in adoration of Christ. And I had that personal um, relationship with Christ, but it wasn't because I was adoring him and coming to him with that humble spirit and like just trying to be intimate with him. It was because I was trying to get something from him so I could lead a Bible study and so I could um, be a better mom and all sorts of stuff. And it was never because I just needed to spend time with my father, but I do. Um, and I'm so guilty of that, like doing the right thing just out of necessity and habit and sometimes I'm doing the right thing a little begrudgingly if I'm honest because like if I don't do it like there's going to be consequences so I need to do it 
Um, and that's just the wrong reason to be doing those things. And then on the other hand, there's sometimes that I do have that adoration for God, but I'm over here like, well, God, like, I know this is what you're wanting me to do. And like, I really want to do that for you, but I could do it this way and that would be easier. And I think it would work out better. And so then I'm not even having that full adoration and I'm not even doing what he's wanting me to do. And so it's a whole mess. And I'm trying to make deals with God and that's just not how it works out. I got to like, they mentioned like, stop giving God orchids. It's a big deal. Like, I need to give him what it is that he's wanting from me. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times I will justify what I'm doing because, like, well, I'm still in the flesh. Like, my spirit is here, but, like, it's still a flesh about it. And I live in the world, and God doesn't want me to be miserable in the world. Um, I say that too often, honestly. Um, and then Brother Lee, he was preaching out of Luke 15. He said something in reference to verse 14 through 15. He said, you will not be satisfied trying to fill up on the world. It is something that can only come from the Father. And that one just got me because I am someone that, like, during a long day or, like, after a long day, a long few days, I just want to chill. I want to turn on the TV, and I want to watch a TV show that I should not be watching. I, I'm going to go ahead and make a confession. I love Grey's Anatomy. It's so bad for me. I do not need to be watching it. I'm telling you all publicly, I'm done with it. I say it all the time in discipleship. Diane knows. Like, I should not be watching Grey's Anatomy. But, like, genuinely, like, the Lord, like, really told me, like, stop doing this. Like, you know I don't want you to do this. You need to be filling yourself with things of me. And so um, I'm, I'm done with it, guys. The Lord really, like, got me on that one. Um, and that just went over into Troy's dog spells message for me. In verse, uh, John 15, verse 19, it says, If you were of the world, the world would hate or would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world would rather hate you. Um, and he said, the world hates us, so why do we love it so much? And, dude, that, that got me big because, like, no, I'm not always out here trying to just live it up and party and, like, be super in the world. But, like, there are things in the world that, like, I love more than I love the things of the Father. And that's not good. It's not okay. And um, that just transitioned into, he started talking about out of Nehemiah 13, 24. They couldn't understand the Bible. Their kids couldn't because they didn't know it because they weren't taught it. And he was like, you know, are we speaking the language of the world? Or are we teaching, or are we learning and teaching our kids how to speak the language of the Father? And something that we've been really struggling with recently after having a baby and Brenda Lee coming into like these preteen hormonal years is parenting. It's been hard. And, like, we're seeing a lot of flaws that we have in our parenting, and we're not teaching her the language of the Father, and we're not teaching her what it is that she needs to be taught, and we're not pouring that into her, and we're letting her learn the language of the world more than what we are of the Father, and that's not good, and it's not okay. And the Lord really just showed up there, and then to just nail that one in a little harder, he talked about if we're not making our children obey us, they're not going to obey God. And that's not something that I ever am okay with. Because, like, our home is our first responsibility. It's our first mission. And we have to be about that and teaching our children how to obey the Lord and the things of the Lord. That way they will fulfill the mission when they get older. Um, and so that was the majority of, like, how everything intertwined in me and in my heart throughout the messages. And I think a lot 
was done, we were in church for like five, five and a half hours every day overall. And it was a lot. Like, it was overwhelming. There was so much. Y'all should really go back and listen to it. I've listened to it a few more times. Just trying to pick out more and like let the Lord speak to me in different ways. Um, but it's just, Brother Lee said for years, like it's a different world up there. And so I'm thinking like, it's a different world by the way it looks, the culture and stuff. Like Ashley talked about, like it is a little different, but it's a different world spiritually. And it was so addicting. Um, it made me desire what it was that they had. And I, I don't want to say like I was envious of it because like I genuinely wasn't envious, but I was like, man, like that, that kind of worship, that kind of just genuine love for Christ, like that's what I want. And then the Lord started speaking to me and I started realizing like, I can have that because I serve the same God that they do and I have the access to the same Bible that they do. And it's just going to turn into like, am I going to be a hearer and a doer of the word? Because that's what it is. And, um, you know, so I'm just like super thankful for everything that wrapped up in that this week. Um, It was definitely what I needed without even realizing that's what I needed. Um, And then I'm going to do a little plug here. Um, and I'll be done when, um, I made a few friends and I was talking to another mom as we were walking to get our babies from nursery and she was like, you know, what church are you with again? And I was like, greater hope in Dallas, Georgia. She said, okay. And I said, Lee writing some classes. She said, oh my God. She said, you are just so blessed. She said, is it just great all the time? And I kind of laughed it off at first. Cause I like, I was like, well, yeah, like it is. And, but like, she really made me pause and think like, I don't think about how rich we are in that aspect. Like, we have a pastor who shepherds his flock in truth, and he does what it is that he's been called to do. And so, you know, like, we do pastor appreciation once a year. And, like, in that time, I'm definitely like, man, like, we are so blessed with our pastors. Like, Brother Lee and Brother Dylan, like, they love God, they love the Word. And the rest of the year, like, I love them. And, like, I'm friends with them, and I'm thankful to get to worship with them. But I'm not, like, in full thankfulness and gratefulness for them. And so that was really great. Um, just talking to her, like, it really put in respect, like, how I don't have that reverence for the men that God has placed over us like I should all the time. And so um, I was really thankful for that. And it just felt, like, realign things there for me because pastor appreciation is a long time away. And so it needed to happen sooner than that, right? All right, I'm done. For real, I know this is it's hard to go. It's hard to get places like that 12 hours away. It's hard for me. Getting seven people there is a very, and two of them is Ridge and Hut, by the way. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but the baby of the group is, is uh, he's a little on the, mama's boy's side if there ever has been and so if he's un uncomfortable then claire's usually saying no li- no you you shut your mouth don't you open your mouth again and then claire and then jordan's climbing over the seat like i'm going to strangle claire uh, if she opens her mouth again to my baby so uh 
Anyway, I say all that to say this. Man, I, I hope you're here. Like, if you can't go, um, I know it's a big deal. Uh, it's hard to get there, all this stuff. But if you can't go, uh, it's just a one more one more deal. You just, it's, it's almost something you got to see at least one time in your life. Anyway, so go ahead, bro. Um, before I talk about all church retreats, um, some of you are going to think this is dumb, but I just got to tell you like uh, something I'm thankful for. Um, I grew up an only child. Um, I, I, there was not a lack of attention um, when I was growing up. Always wanted a sibling. Um, and when me and Candace got married, I got a sister. And I think the biggest thing for me this week, and like her testimony may not mean a lot to you. man to see her up here this morning and glorifying God after I know the stuff that we've gone through and that she's gone through man means more to me than anything else so sidebar I'll shut up crying now I just I want you to know that because that may not have meant a lot to you but man that did so much for my heart this morning um on the topic of all church retreat, it would be really easy for me to tell you that, okay, it's 12 hours away, the bed was uncomfortable, and the food was terrible. Yeah, um, all those. Like, I mean, check, check, check. Yeah, so we, we had the fear of getting hot, because let me, let's get one thing straight. Brother Kansas City is hot. Um, it's, it wasn't muggy, um, and I, we got to hear, me and Dylan got to hear this lady describing Georgia like it was a vacation, like a vacation destination. And she's like, it's beautiful. There's mountains, there's birds, and there's wildlife. And I leaned up, I said, ma'am, I said, I want you, I said, Georgia is hot and it is muggy. It's sticky and there's a lot of bugs. Um, but we had to fear it was going to get too hot. So, man, we cranked that AC all the way down and we turned into popsicles when we walked in the room. But it, it was outside of all of that, um, Lee has told me for years um, he's like, man, I, I can't put it into words. He's like, it's just something you have to experience. And, you know, moving into the, the services, the first night, Troy, um, the first ser session that we had was an evening se uh, session with Troy, and Troy worked through the book of Nehemiah. Um, and, man, it was, it, was, it was fantastic. And the first night, like, you know, you're, you're still trying to get settled in. Um, we broke the drive up. We stayed in Memphis Monday night and Tuesday night and got up Wednesday and, and went the rest of the way. And, man, I, I'm going to be honest. The Lord blessed the car ride because Harlan and Rayleigh were fantastic the whole time. And, but, and, but besides that, like, we get there. We've been in the car. We're tired. Um, Ashley gets car sick, so Candace rode, drove the whole way. So Candace never wants to drive anywhere ever again after driving to and from Missouri. Um, but, you know, you're tired, and you're listening. You're paying attention, but everything doesn't sink in, you know, probably like it should. The next morning, um, Lee preaches, and he's like Dylan said, he's moving through the, some of the stuff he's been doing here at the church, man. And and I know for him, he thought he told me he's like, he said, "I'm I'm sorry, y'all have to hear it again." But and Candace said this, and it sounded sarcastic, but uh, he understood what we meant. Like when you get to hear the same thing twice, you get to glean something else from it. And throughout Lee's messages, the, the thing that probably stuck out to me the most was in Luke. In, in uh, 14, when Jesus is given, he starts giving the different parables, there's two groups of people. There's the publicans and the sinners that drew closer to him. 
And there's Pharisees that were real hesitant and stood away off. And it's really easy to not realize it and get caught up being a Pharisee. And you see the things of God. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I actually said it. And I, I don't, I don't want to belabor the point of how we, you know, kind of how the legalistic way we grew up. Because, man, God brought us through it and, and praise God for it. But when you grow up legalistic, it's really easy to, to sit back and look at things through this lens of, well, they say God is doing that, but man, I don't think God is really doing that. And if I would have seen uh, Midtown or, or probably uh, New Philly or any of these other LFF churches see some of the stuff they're doing growing up, I'd be like, man, there's no way that God is in any of that. But I was thankful that the man through the work God has done in our heart, man, I got to see myself as one of those publicans and sinners and realize that I can draw closer to him. Um, and then code, um, I've told Lee several times, if something ever happens to Greater Hope, man, I'm packing it up and I'm headed to Ocala. Um, code man, I mean, code blaze is, um, I'm fairly certain that he walks and talks with God on the regular. Um, as Lee, he cracks me up, Lee calls him apostle code. And let me just put this out there because nobody else is going to mention this and I know Lee's not going to mention it. Um, Lee and code got called out. Um, so, so Lee and code were going back and forth. He, he loves it, I mentioned this, but it, it, was, it was hilarious. Lee and Code are going back and forth. Well, then Troy gets up to preach the second night, and he starts talking. He's like, where's Code at? Code wasn't in the sanctuary. Where's Lee at? Lee wasn't in the sanctuary. So they open the door, and Troy is yelling from the stage out into the lobby. He's like, get in here, get in here. And then he calls Lee and Code up to the stage like, like five-year-olds. Um, it was the deacon fault. Um, they were out there. They were out there discussing some things, but man, it was it was hilarious. Um, so there's a lot of fun that happens too. But um, Code's whole deal was on worship, and and the thing that stuck out to me the most of his messages uh, it, in Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read. Um, uh, I think it's just it's verse one and two. Um, it says, "And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am." And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And the important detail is there is, is God laid out for Abraham how and where he wanted him to sacrifice Isaac. And the important thing is that if Abraham would not have listened to God, it wouldn't have been worship or sacrifice, it would have been murder. If Abraham would not have went where and done it how God told him to, it would not have been worship and it would have been in vain. Um, and man, I, I started thinking, you know, it's, it's really easy. You know, we, we view worship as just a song, but it's really easy to, um, the, the Bible's easy to understand. Um, and that was, that was one thing Troy brought out that I'm going to get to in just a second. But the Bible is easy to understand. And, and it's really easy to get this lens of, of viewing worship and saying, okay, well, worship, yeah, I'm worshiping God, but it's something I'm doing, right? I'm participating in worship. But it's not what worship is. Um, Code said that, and according to Scripture, um, worship, I got it right here, I don't mess it up. I made sure I brought this up here. Um, Worship is an attitude of adoration demonstrated by appropriate action. The appropriate action will be governed by his words, and the attitude of adoration will be given through his words. You cannot worship God if you don't have a relationship with God. 
It is not possible. Um, and then moving into the evening sessions, um, like I said, Troy was, was moving through Nehemiah, and the last night, uh, if you could see my notes, you could see how my interest grew um, and how the Lord was working with me. The first night, I took very little notes. Second night, I was like, okay, all right, man, there's a lot of stuff I need to write down. And then the third night, man, they use this phrase out there. I heard Sam Miles say that we're so rich. And, man, the, the teaching that we got was so rich. Like, it was so biblical, it was scriptural. There was, there was so much Bible in it. But he, he's talking about the end of Nehemiah when Nehemiah has left and he's come back and they're, they're intermarrying between the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and man, Nehemiah comes back and cleans house. Um, he's, he's yanking people's hair out. He's pulling their beard out. He's smoting them. He told one guy, he said, if you do this again, he said, I will put my hands on you. And like Nehemiah just comes back to take care of, of business, and he's talking about the decision, the decision that they had to listen to God or to not listen to God. And Candace quoted this, and I'm going to quote it again because it was so impactful. John uh, 15, um, start at 18, says, The world hate you. You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, uh, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Man, man, code or not code? Excuse me, Troy. He kind of leaned over the the lectern that they were using, and and he is man with all with everything that he can summon. He he is man. He was pleading. He's like, the world hates you. Why do you keep going back to the world when the world hates you? Because if you identify as a Christian, and if you have been saved, and if if you are a child of God, the world wants nothing to do with you. They may not say that to your face. And and you may some days it may be you know all all glitters and rainbows, but that's the world. That's the that's the lens that Satan wants you looking through. The premise of the world, he is the prince of this world, and and man, the world wants nothing to do with us as Christians. The, what Satan wants to do is to tear us down, and and he he wants to see God not get the glory that's due to His name. And man, that that stuck with me so much because, like Candace said, like I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going out and partying it up and and trying to do all these things. But man, I've I've got to go in in August. Um, my company's having an annual sales meeting, and I know I, I don't have an option. I have to go, and I know that while I'm there, I know there, man, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on that I don't participate in. I know there's going to be a lot of guys drinking. I know there's going to be a lot of cussing. There's going to be a lot of dirty jokes. There's just going to be a whole lot of stuff going on that I don't typically participate in. And, man, I'm going to have to remember, man, the world hates you. I know it looks good, and I know it looks fun. But if they accept you, they accept you because you're in the world, not because you're of God. And this week, Lee, Lee said this in a service, and, man, it... it the reason it's so good, it's not because of where it is. Man, there's, there's no more cornfields out there. I mean, we, we, when we are on our way to camp, coming up the back way through Warrensburg, Gordon and Chris Best, when they came down here, they're talking about fields of, like, oceans of grass. Man, that's what it is. You come up, but it is nothing but corn, and that's it. There's, like, $1 general. And it's not because of where it's at, but there was a point. So they, they do service a little different than we do. They had a baptism before the preaching. And, man, it was one of the realest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, they, they called the girl up, and they said, this is so-and-so. She got saved. Did she give her testimony? 
and man, she just edified God, and she talked about the, when she came to the church, the people she met and that helped, you know, helped lead her to the Lord and get started in discipleship and stuff, and man, when they, when they baptized her, and she came up out of that water, not that the water has anything, but it, that we are following an ordinance of scripture, man, that church erupted. They were so excited and thrilled to see somebody else be saved and following in what God has given us to do. The spirit there was nothing. And I, I was talking to Brandon, and Brandon's like, look, man, he's like 17 years ago. <coughs> 17 years ago, <coughs> when I came here, he said, we were just like you guys. He said, we, we weren't a big outfit. He said, we were just, you know, we were just guys just, it was just people trying to seek the Lord. And he said, what we had, he said, what we have here, he said, you guys can have there. And it's because we serve the same God. And the same spirit that does the work there is going to do the work here. Um, and the biggest thing that I took away from, from everything is, um, man, I'm, I'm a big guy. I've been out going my whole life. Um, for my job, I have to be. I have to be able to talk to anybody at any time about anything. And I have to be very confident in who I am as a person. And fun fact, if you don't know this about me, I am not very confident in who I am as a person. Um, I've struggled with self-doubt for almost all of my life. And I've never understood why. And, man, I remember it was so simple sitting in the service when, when Troy was preaching about decision. And, I, and it can't, you know, the Lord had it on my heart Sunday morning. Um, I don't have to be confident in myself because God has given me a word to be confident in. I don't have to be sure of, of how good of a teacher or how good of a, a pr you know, how good I am at praying because God is more than sufficient to do anything that I ever need to do because anything that I do for God, I'm not doing it. I'm just being a vessel and letting God do the work. And, man, I, I want to encourage you. Um, Lee told me, he's like, you just got to experience it. And I, words, do, words do not do it justice. Um, your pastor, uh, Volan, told me. Um, I, I, got to, I got the privilege to do worship with some of the people at Midtown. I was not thankful for him at 530 in the morning when I had to get up to be there. I was not happy about that. He, they, Lee was like, hey, you're going to sing with him? The guy was like, okay, we meet at 645. I'm like, I mean, this is Father's Day. I was like, I don't want to get up at 640, like be there at 645. But man, walked in, they, just their worship practice. Man, they were people that were seeking God. And they just had this desire to please the Lord more than anything else. Like that song we sung, they did, man, more than anything else that we can do. They understood that all they need is the Lord. And, and for me, man, it was, it was such a bit of refreshment. It was such a it was such an odd thing to see people that love God. Um, Dylan makes a joke all the time that she's super unapproachable, um, but man, it doesn't matter there. I met two guys, Dion and Sean, Sean, and they think I hustled them at Domino's, but they were two of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. And the next time I seen them, it was like we'd been friends for years. They came up, asked me how my morning was going. We were you know talk, you know chit chatting and and doing stuff like we'd known each other forever. And I say that to say this, man, they've got a genuine love for the Lord. And, man, what God did in my heart through them and through the services, I, I can't put into words. I, I would just, I would, say, I would submit this to you. Mission focus is in December, 27th through the 30th. Going to be at Midtown. 
I'm, I'm going to tell you now, the drive is long. But, man, it is worth every single mile. Because I'm going to tell you, I cannot replicate or replace what God has done in mine and my family's heart this week. Um, what he's done in Ashley's heart and what he's done in Dylan's heart. And, man, it, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen anywhere else. God just moved in an amazing way and leaves messages and codes and troys. Um, last thing I'll tell you, and I'm going to be done, they love your pastor. They love your pastor. Um, and it makes you realize how much we take it for granted because we see Lee every week, right? Every time that we're faithful to be here, we see him, hearing him being faithful to preach the word, being instant in season and out of season. No matter what's going on, his job is to preach the word. And, man, we take it for granted. They love your pastor more than I can put into words. Um, there's testimonies from nearly everybody you talk to. They find out you go to Greater Hope. Oh, man, you go to Lee's Church. And it, it was just, man, it was, it was awesome. Um, it, was, it was fantastic. It was, it was of the Lord. Um, man, I got, I got to, to reap some things from the Word and reap some things just from talking to people and just hearing and seeing how they do things, man, just seeing people that have a desire to please God. Um, will completely change everything about you. When you see somebody who is, who is truly contending for the faith and they are, they are working and they are praying and they are seeking God, man, it changes everything about you. So I encourage you, if you can figure it out, mission focuses in December, you will not regret it. <clears throat> Amen. So I had, a, I had a specific verse on my heart. Um, First Samuel chapter number seven. Here, grab grab your phone or or you, you, whatever you got your Bible if you got it with you. And um, <clears throat> go to First Samuel chapter number seven. I want to kind of give you why um, a lot of times you hear people testify and, and you, you think, um, well, that, that ain't what this thing's about. All right. Pro probably some of you have heard more Bible quoted in here this morning than you've read all week long. There's been a lot of Bible quoted this morning. Amen. All right, been a lot of biblical principles quoted this morning. Amen. All right. Look, look with me in Second Samuel. I mean, First Samuel, chapter number seven. And the men of Karathjerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode at Karathjerim that the time was long. For it was twenty years, and all, uh, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and, he, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and serve the Lord only. 
And Samuel gathered all Israel unto Mizpah, and uh, gather all Israel to, uh, to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together unto, uh, to Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when, uh, and when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the, Lord, uh, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And, uh, and the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hands of the Philistines. Philistine. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thundering on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And all the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto Bethkar. Then, uh, then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Now, why in the world would, would, would we read those verses? All right, so I'm a, uh, let, me, let me break this down for you. I had something completely different. First John chapter number 2, and we'll, we'll roll back in there uh, here, here one of these days. Um, but why, why would this be a deal? Okay, here it is. You ready? The children of Israel realized they were wrong. The ark, the presence, the literal presence of God was out of their possession. The ark represented and was the presence of God. They no longer have it. They give it up, though, because of sin. Okay? They see their sin because a prophet comes. A prophet named Samuel comes, and he says, You have sinned. You need to put away the strange gods. What do they do? They put away Balaam, and they put away Ashtaroth. And so what happens? All right. God, Samuel judges them for their sin, all right? The, and then he offers a burnt offering for their sin. He offers a burnt offering in their stead for their sin, all right? They're still wholly sold out to the Lord, all right? They see their sin, but they got to a place to where they realized that if God didn't do something, then they were going to be in a mess. So what do they do? They go to Samuel and say, man, don't cease to cry for Samuel. Like, man, keep praying. We need, we need prayer. We need God to work on our behalf. So what happens? The Lord thunders. He The Bible says he discomfited the Philistines. They're all jacked up. Well, then Israel sees that the Lord is working on their behalf. And what happens? Israel takes over the Philistines. Israel goes in and kills the Philistines after they see that God is fighting on their behalf. How many of you understand that it's really easy, that it's really easy to walk with the Lord when you realize that you're not actually the one doing anything? Like it's way easier. You know what's really hard? When you're pushing that spiritual rope and you're trying to make things happen. You're trying to be spiritual. You're trying to do this. Like you're opening your Bible and you're mad that you're opening it. 
Like, like you're, you're like, well, what am I going to do with this thing? It ain't, ain't going to work no way. Like, this dude, he's always talking about discipleship. That's stupid. That ain't going to work no way. I mean, he's talking about this. He's talking about, listen, here, here's the deal. Let's go back to where we, where we started this whole thing. We got to have a relationship with the Lord that lets us build confidence in the Lord. You know, first thing I told Claire, I said, listen, you're never going to gain confidence in the Lord as your father till you build trust in your father. And, and here we are, we, we got to build trust in our father, okay? But, but there's, there's a really interesting thing that happens. Samuel sets a stone between Mizpah and Shin, and he calls it Ebenezer. And he says, hitherto hath the Lord helped. That means, the word hitherto means up till now. Up till now hath the Lord helped us. You know what all these testimonies are? All they are is, is Ebenezer's. And they're like, up till now the Lord's helped us. And you know what happens? They go by, they go, they go through Mitzvah and Shin, but guess what? They come back through Mitzvah and Shin. And you know what they see? They see their Ebenezer stone. Here's what you got to remember. When God gives you an Ebenezer stone like he did this whole like he did last week, like he did in my family's life, like 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 we're you know, people are, are, are testifying and with the word of God and trying to encourage you through biblical principles, it needs to be set up in a, as an Ebenezer stone. Even in their lives where you come back through it and say, Man, hitherto hath the Lord helped them. Like the Lord's doing it for them, but the Lord not do it for me. Like hitherto, up till now hath the Lord helped him. Up till now hath the Lord helped her. I mean, where's it been? Listen, if it hadn't have been for a few of those places in my life, man, I don't know that I'd have ever made it through burying Woodrow. Like if I had not come to the place to where I had a place where I could get back to, like I remember being so broken, I was, I was trying to quit. I mean, I did everything, I, I mean, in this church, trying to quit. I thought, that, I thought the Lord was trying to kill me is what I thought. And I, I didn't realize that the devil had, uh, what the, the devil was meaning for evil. God was, you know, trying to use for good and glory. And, and I, can, I can remember trying to quit. But there was a place that I had already set up and like, all right, Lord, the Lord had, had helped me up to this point. And then I cross back over and I see that place. I see that stone that I set. I see that marker in my life. Every one of you has got markers. If you don't have a marker in your life to where God has done certain things for you up until this point, and then maybe you just tailed off. Maybe you just peeled off the right, you peeled off the left, and you left out. You felt like you were big enough to handle it on your own. You go back to where it was. Man, that, I remember when God was helping me there. I saw people we see in church all the time. We, we, there's plenty of people that's been around here long enough to see people that's left out after that got real good, after some stuff like, like, children, like children of Israel uh, whooping up on the Philistines happened. Right? We've all been in church long enough to see that. Where it was going real good, everything was real well, they was whooping up on their sin. They was whooping up on their enemies. Everything's good now. 
that I said this, I, I said this, I, I've said this a hundred times in here. Uh, the, the, prosper, the most prosperous times of your life is the most dangerous times. It'll be the most dangerous times you ever experience as a Christian. Why? Because that's when you forget the Lord. Every single time. That's when you will not put down an Ebenezer. That, that's when you're like, ah, you know, I got this thing. It's when you come out of those things. Why? Well, because a lot of times we enter into the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ when we're what? Starts with an S. <laughs> when we're suffering. Right? It's hard to enter into that fellowship when you're not suffering. Right? It's hard to enter into the fellowship. That's why Paul says that I could enter in, man, how sweet the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ was. Like, like I get to enter into fellowship in the middle of being beat, in the middle of being mocked, spit on, jailed. I mean, I mean, what kind of life must it have been to have been locked up in a prison for, for preaching with Silas? And having enough fellowship with God in the lower parts of that jail, in the innermost parts of that jail, to at midnight look at Silas and break out in song. Like what fellowship must that have been? And so I, I say to you, after listening to all these testimonies, here's what, here's what you need to do. Man, go back and listen to them again. Because ah, I didn't get that much out of them. You probably just wasn't listening real good. Because you know what? It does my heart good to hear it. You say, well, you're the pastor. It's supposed to do your heart good. It should do your heart good to hear other brothers and sisters in Christ that are seeing God work in their life. If you're not, then if, you're, if that don't excite you, you're not here for the right reason. And we need a, we need a whole cold, hard case of repentance on your part, right? So, it's already past our time, but praise the Lord. Man, that was good. It fed my soul this morning. It's done my heart good. Amen? Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you for being a faithful father all the way to the end. Uh, thank you for allowing us to run into the people we've ran into in this life. Uh, I don't say it enough, Lord. Um, probably in, in, in the latter days, but Lord, thank you for Mark Trotter. And Lord, thank you for the influence of him in my life and the influence of him in this church. God, you've done a great work through him and this place, and I just want to say thank you for it. God, bless what was uh, said. Lord, may it not fall on deaf ears. May it not fall on hard hearts. May it fall on good ground and take deep root. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Y'all have a good rest of the day, and we'll see you on Wednesday.